Good evening, and welcome to City Watch, a watchdog program for social, economic, political, and cultural issues here in New York City. You were just listening to Consabor Latina with Marisol. Thank you for staying with us at WBAI. I am your co-host. Notice I'm saying co-host, Jeff Simmons. And I'm saying co-host because I am extremely excited to be able to reintroduce you to a previous guest who is now going to be our permanent co-host, David Brand of the Queen's Daily Eagle. Welcome back. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks for having me. I am extremely excited to be uh a part of the show moving forward and uh, excited to be talking about New York City politics, uh, talking about today's bag ban that's coming up, talking about some of the intense races we have for uh, state assembly, state senate, and of course, city council. Yeah, I'll say get ready for next year, 2021. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's already so many people lining up. We got special elections coming, and so this is an amazing time to uh, to be on the radio talking about New York City. And when you were last in the studio, we talked to several of the candidates for Queensborough president. That race still continues. That race is that special election is March twenty March, 20, March 24th, a month from tomorrow. So uh, I'm sure we're going to continue to focus on that. But what's been great about following your coverage is that, for instance, you had a good uh, exclusive story in the last, uh, I want to say, 48 hours late last week about the Parkside group, if I'm correct. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, talk just a little about that, because that was an interesting one. And I want our listeners to know that you don't just focus on what's going on in Queens, but how broader issues impact the borough. And that's why you have a great awareness of the issues that impact New York City. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so the Parkside Group, a political consulting and lobbying firm, has had a contract with the State Senate Democratic Campaign Committee for many years now, I think since 2010. Uh, so they've been running like re-election campaigns, doing literature, doing polling, doing get-at-the-vote stuff for the Senate Democrats. Uh, in Mike Bloomberg's most recent filing with the Federal Election Commission, he it shows that he paid or he owes the Parkside Group one hundred eighty eight thousand dollars for doing uh, get out or sorry signature gathering for them. And so what's interesting about that is when Bloomberg was mayor, he gave two point two four million dollars to the Senate Republican Campaign Committee to defeat Democrats to retain Republican control in Albany. Uh, and so he was really a, a major foe of Parkside. And now Parkside, like many uh People in the Democratic Party are taking money from Bloomberg and teaming up with him as he tries to uh, take on the the left wing of the party. And we did on the other show that I uh, host on Thursdays on Driving Forces, we focused on the aftermath of the debate this past week and the phone lines lit up. Hmm. A number of people wanted to weigh in on Bloomberg. And so I think before Super, not Super Tuesday, excuse me, before the New York primary, we should make sure we have a show that focuses again on him because I'm sure New Yorkers and listeners want to weigh in. And, you know, it doesn't seem to me like we're going to have, you know, glowing support for him in New York just from the folks that I talk with. Uh, unless he had given a million dollars to your <laughs> charity or nonprofit organization, uh, I don't know if you're a Bloomberg supporter. But if, you know, if we do talk Bloomberg, we might be the only show that isn't interrupted by commercials paid for by Bloomberg because it's the wall-to-wall commercials are uh, are out of control. I was listening to Hot 97 earlier, and within 15 minutes, there was like three or four ads for Bloomberg. And I'm very glad that you mentioned that we're not non-commercial. You're doing very well already because what I wanted to point out is, uh, as our listeners know, we are not commercial. We're not corporate. We're community progressive radio, and we are nearing the end. And Max, please correct me if I'm wrong, but we're nearing the end of our our, our winter pledge drive, correct? Isn't that coming up soon, the end? Let's hope so. Okay. But, but before we get to that point – we have been really privileged to have a number of people who've become what is known as BAI buddies. I am a BAI buddy. And if you're a listener and you like the fact what David just mentioned, that you're not hearing wall-to-wall ads on a station, well, that's why you may want to keep tuning into WBAI because we are not wall-to-wall ads. In fact, we're, there are no ads. The only thing you're really hearing are you're hearing our promos for our shows, like you just heard from Max and Murphy about their live show that's going to happen uh, this later this week. So what is a BAI buddy? That is someone who you give a sustaining contribution. For me, I have 10 or $20 taken out of each one of, well, not each one of my checks. It's on my credit card once a month. I don't even think about it. It goes to BAI. It sustains BAI. It keeps us on the air. 
Listeners can give ten dollars, twenty dollars. You can give any amount. People usually do about fifteen dollars, but if you can kick in a little more each month, that would be great. And given what uh, what David mentioned, that we're going to talk about the plastic bag ban throughout the show. Well, here's something you're going to get that's going to become very important to you. You will get by becoming a BAI buddy in the name of this show, City Watch. You will get a big black strong tote bag with a BAI logo. That's going to be an incredible value because of the plastic bag ban that is going into effect. So when you go shopping, you'll be able to also show off your BAI pride. And how can you go about doing this? You can call the number 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602. There are multiple ways in which you can uh, make your donation or become a BAI buddy. If you feel like just going on the computer or you're listening to us on the computer because you know we stream live at WBAI.org, go online. Go to give to WBAI.org. Again, that's give to WBAI.org. And there's one other thing you can do. You can text. Text WBAI to 41444. And just follow the prompts on your smartphones. It'll show you what to do. Again, that's text WBAI to 41444. Follow the prompts on your smartphones. That's how you can continue to show your support. Remember, we we just recently celebrated our 60th anniversary. It would be wonderful if you helped to keep us on the air for another 60 years. David and I might not be here for another 60 years. I don't know if I'm going to make it past you know another 10, we'll, 20. We'll, we'll see how it goes today, I guess, and uh, so, get back. So we're waiting for our first guest to call in in just a few moments. Not yet, but hopefully soon. Uh, to talk about an issue that uh, is getting, I'm seeing it's getting a lot more attention in, in recent days because there was some concern that not enough of the public know what's going to take place. Yeah, so Jeff had mentioned uh, giving out BAI tote bags, uh, which is pretty important because pretty soon we're going to be saying BYE to plastic bags when we uh, hit the grocery store, the bodega, also clothing stores, uh, any kind of place where you're getting plastic bags, not going to be happening anymore. Uh, and I think you're right. I think there were concerns that people were not aware that this was coming. I think within the past week, there's been a little more advocacy or a little bit more awareness. Uh, but I was at the grocery store, a stop and shop recently, and I was just talking to the cashier. Uh, and he said, no customer seems to know. The customer right before me had uh, dozens of plastic bags. They're doubled up. Uh, and he was questioning what's going, what's going to happen with this. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I would, I would wonder the same thing. Are, is there enough advocacy, enough awareness going on? My wife went to our stop and shop in Glendale, Queens, the other day, and they actually had a table, and they were uh, exchanging. If you brought a plastic bag, they would give you a reusable bag, and they gave some uh, educational materials, uh, some flyers. She came back with a uh, a little notebook with a big reminder on the top, or a notepad for making your grocery list with a big reminder on the top saying, "Remember your reusable bags." But I wonder what uh, what this is really going to look like. And when someone goes clothing shopping at H and M or something, are they going to remember to bring their reusable bags? I think when we think of reusable bags, we often think about taking them to the grocery store. Uh, but when we go clothes shopping or electronic shopping or, uh, you know, just remembering to keep it on our backpacks or in our pockets. The other question I have is what are some of the unintended consequences when it comes to this bag ban? Like, for example, uh, is there going to be a black market of reusable ba- or of, uh, of plastic bags? Are people going to be going over the bridge to New Jersey and stocking up on bags and coming back and selling them outside of grocery stores, selling them outside of bodegas and selling them outside of malls. It's going to be interesting, too. And one of the studies uh, that you and I both read this weekend uh, before our second guest that we're going to talk with uh, talked about how some places found ways to circumvent this, how people uh, were able to find what the loopholes were and work around them. Uh, And, you know, what was so amazing about one of these studies, and I don't want to kind of steal her thunder because she'll be on in a little while, uh, is how in one jurisdiction's experience, they went through 
well, kind of like three stages. They did a ban, then they had a period where there was nothing, and then they went to like, a, another hybrid option. And it's, yeah. it's interesting to watch how different jurisdictions are doing this and how people respond, how retailers respond, how the public responds. Yeah, yeah I think that part was really interesting because I think they this has been a process like years in the making to get to a point where uh, state lawmakers are willing to ban bags and get uh, people of diverse ideologies on board and then to try to tinker with it, uh, tinker with different egos and uh, different policy positions might be a challenge. Uh, but I guess that's TBD. And so if people were willing to go back to the drawing board, if something wasn't working or they could work something out a little better, I think that would take humility and would take uh, uh, a willingness to to try something new. Because this is we have a major crisis when it comes to plastic waste uh, and you know billions and billions of bags used every month, uh, 23 billion used in New York State every year. And so maybe this is just the first step toward finding something, uh, finding a better ultimate solution. It's interesting because environmental groups were also saying, and I had never really affixed a number to this, but it's astounding to, to hear this number that New Yorkers use about 23 billion uh, plastic bags a year. Yeah. You know, I, I think of the individual use I do when I, you know, I don't even double bag when I go. And if I can always remember to have an extra reusable bag in my car, then that saves me the trouble. Uh, but you know, I, I I watched someone thinking that we were doing the show tonight. I watched someone in the supermarket today, and it felt like she was trying to hoard them already in preparation for <laughs> yeah. next week because she grabbed so many for only a few products. Yeah, and I mean it's only going to last so long. Yeah, so well, maybe she intends to reuse them. Um, I was walking from my apartment to the train earlier, and I didn't think of this at first, but the last block before the subway, uh, I started counting how many bags. That I saw, and I, there were nine just on one block in the trees, uh, over the sewer grate, uh, on the steps leading down to the subway, uh, wedged into a corner next to the bodega across the street from the subway. So I think they're so ubiquitous, we don't even think about it. But we, we have to remember that of what's informing the, uh, the bag ban. Just these pieces of plastic film are just wedged into every corner of our city. Uh, of our state and you know our waterways it's 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 not universally supported however though and maybe uh jeff you want to talk about the today's i guess i don't know psa from uh two supermarket chains gristides and dagostinos who uh they are not fans of this of this bag ban and this is a piece uh a full page ad that ran in the new york post today uh it's from Gristides and D'Agostinos. In big, bold type, it says, An apology to our customers. Thanks to our state senate and state assembly, a ban on plastic bags takes effect on March 1st. And then again, in all caps, even though we recycle all plastic bags, this is an absurd law. So let's get this straight. You go to the grocery store and buy a pound of sliced ham wrapped in plastic, a loaf of bread in a plastic bag, a gallon of milk in a plastic jug, a pack of napkins wrapped in plastic, a Greek salad in plastic container, a plastic bottle of mustard, and a plastic bottle of ketchup. And they won't give you a plastic bag to carry it home because the plastic bag is bad for the environment? Paper bag tax, $0.05. Cents. Bag cost, $0.10. Cents. Customer cost, $0.15. Cents. Remember, this law means that you only get a paper bag when you shop, which you will have to pay for. This means that more trees will be cut down. Billions of trees will die. So much for protecting the environment. Call our leaders and tell them enough is enough. Wondering what you think of that, Jeff. Uh, I have to tell you, when I uh, opened up the papers earlier this morning, I thought this was a uh, – I, I don't want to say it was an overreaction, but I will say it stood out. I mean the billions of trees will die <laughs> was immediately what popped out for me, and I'm sure our listeners – uh, have a lot to say about that. So I want to also apologize to our guest. I know he's been trying to get in to us, but there's apparently some technical issues because a friend of mine also had wanted to call in to weigh in tonight, and I gave him the number, and he says he's been having difficulty getting through the phone lines as well uh, right now as, uh, on our listener line. So if you're trying to call during the show, I want to apologize 
uh, to our listeners if you're not able to get in during the show. And I really do want to apologize to our guest. Uh, friend. We're going to still try him one more time, uh, but we've not been able to uh, uh, to get through. And he's tried to also reach us through our guest line, and it's just not coming through right now. So I want to apologize uh, to our listeners for that. But uh, we And hopefully we can reach our other guest. One thing I refuse to do for you, because I want you, uh, our listeners, to know uh, that uh, I don't want to put up, even like if he called on the phone to put the phone up to the uh, to the mic because that would just be such horrible quality on something like this. So uh, our Celeste Katz is going to also be providing a news report for us during the show and we'll be able to uh, uh, give you the latest on the news beyond the plastic bag ban and uh, we'll have that for you during the show as well. So uh, what I think we'll do is, Max, if you've got a second, if you would like to try our second guest, we'll see if we can reach her on the phone and we'll see if she can start earlier if there's a way that we could reach, uh, reach her. I think our phones are dead. Okay, we might be having a phone issues, folks, but hopefully we're still on the air. David, this is this is baptism by fire. Yeah, I'm getting a, I think this is hazing. I think you're doing this on purpose to me today. Okay, you are listening to WBAI's 99.5 FM City Watch. So what I would like to do on the show as we uh, see what's going on with our phone lines is uh, let David just uh, tell our listeners a little more about um, if you weren't listening a few weeks ago and who was on, this is very interesting. You were not always a journalist. I want you to just tell our listeners, I want you to reintroduce yourself and talk a little about how you, what you did before and how you landed in this position, uh, not at BAI, but what you do full time. So I was, uh, for a while, a lobbyist for the plastic bag industry and uh, fighting against this law. No, just kidding. I was a social worker uh, and, it, and working in social service for many years. Uh, before I made the full-time transition to uh, journalism. And so I first uh, began my career in New York City working at a supportive housing site for people who used to be homeless with mental illness in East Harlem. Uh, and then from there, moved on to another supportive housing site in Harlem, uh, also for formerly homeless adults. And I really enjoyed the work. Uh, it fulfilled a lot of my journalistic curiosity of getting to know people very intimately, getting to... Uh, learn you know the challenges that low-income people face that people who are experiencing homelessness face uh in in our city and yeah i, I went to uh grad school for social work i got my master's in social work and at the same time i i realized there was a uh a niche that i think was needed to be filled and there was something missing in a lot of social service and that was a deeper commitment to physical health so i got my personal trainer's license and combined uh, physical fitness with mental health treatment at programs uh, at supportive housing supportive housing programs in particular for a couple of years and so uh, was able to work in four of the five boroughs all the boroughs except Staten Island uh, running my programs I got to set my own hours to a large extent and that freed me up to do my real passion which is journalism and so I started freelancing more and more had some great opportunities especially with city limits uh, to report more on some of the things I was seeing when when that comes to uh, low-income communities in New York City and, you know, happened to be in the right place at the right time after freelancing and doing my uh, mental health and physical fitness programs and this opportunity at uh, the new Queen's Eagle came up and that was in June of 2018. And so our very first issue came out June 25th, 2018. Uh, and so we are soon, pretty, relatively soon, celebrating our two-year anniversary of the newspaper, the only daily paper in Queens, uh, the only daily English language paper in Queens, covering the criminal justice system, local politics, and sometimes national politics and the implications of that. Uh, development, there's a lot of huge development projects in Queens. I don't know if you heard about the whole the Amazon thing. Oh, yeah. Happened. We just hit the one-year yeah. anniversary of the yeah. Valentine's Day breakup. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so there's like mini Amazons, you know, that kind of uh, everything now viewed through the lens and through the context of Amazon. And there's a couple things like that in Queens, because I mentioned our first issue came out June 25th, 2018. The very next day, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez defe defeated Joe Crowley in the uh, in the race in the Democratic primary for for Congress. And now. Every election in Queens, every election in New York City, maybe every election in the country is viewed through this lens of 
the next AOC, the AOC of Alabama, the AOC of Chicago, the AOC of Northeast Queens. Uh, and so it's it's a good time to report on Queens. It's amazing because exciting politics, exciting development, uh, exciting grassroots movements, kind of uplifting uh, voices that have been traditionally marginalized or for a long time marginalized. And that's not happening anymore. Well, uh, what's good is I know that a lot of these issues that are important to you uh, in your full-time job that uh, is are of interest to our listeners as well. So I'm glad that we're going to be touching on them. Uh, we're going to go to the news segment now because I didn't want to talk uh, much about what's going on globally because I figured Celeste is always on top of these things and did not want to step on her toes. So for now, we're going to go to our weekly news report from our correspondent, Celeste Katz-Marston. Thanks, Jeff. Coronavirus cases are on the rise internationally, with a spate of infections reported in Italy and new deaths confirmed in South Korea and Iran. Universities are reported closed in northern Italy, and soccer matches have been canceled in an effort to control the spread of the disease. South Korea has declared a red alert for the first time since the 2009 swine flu outbreak. In China, the initial source of the outbreak... New incidences of coronavirus are largely centered on Hubei province, and the capital, Wuhan, remains on lockdown. China has arranged for seven cruise ships to house medical staff who are combating the illness. Government officials in the province announced nearly three dozen new cases in the provincial prison system as of Saturday. Meanwhile, a third passenger is reported dead since leaving the infamous Diamond Princess cruise ship, which recently released passengers at Yokohama, Japan, after a quarantine period. In national news, the Democratic candidates for president are turning their eyes to South Carolina after Senator Bernie Sanders scored a win in the weekend's Nevada caucuses. The resounding win gives Sanders a big boost to top off his previous victories in Iowa and New Hampshire. Speaking to supporters after the contest, he sounded a win in November tone after the strong showing. And the reason we are going to defeat Trump is that Americans, regardless of their political views are sick and tired of a president who lies all the time. One of Sanders' top-tier competitors, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, has asked Nevada's Democratic Party to explain, quote, anomalies in its voting results and release more detailed information about the count. Sanders and his opponents are gearing up to compete this Saturday in primary voting in South Carolina, where former Vice President Joe Biden is trying to hang on to a narrowing lead. South Carolina is a prelude to the multi-state voting scheduled for Super Tuesday, March 3rd. States holding elections that day include California, Massachusetts, Texas, Virginia, and Sanders' home state of Vermont. Republican President Donald Trump took aim at his rivals from across the aisle on Sunday, asking whether, quote, any Democratic operatives, the DNC, or crooked Hillary Clinton are blaming Russia, Russia, Russia for the Bernie Sanders win in Nevada. The president suggested that special prosecutor Robert Mueller look into the Sanders win. Trump's comments about Mueller, who investigated Russian meddling in the 2016 election, come on the heels of reports that Sanders received a federal briefing about Russian attempts to help Sanders win this year. Sanders has ordered Russian President Vladimir Putin to stay out of American elections. Meanwhile, Senator Chris Murphy told CNN's State of the Union it makes sense that the Russians would want to keep Trump in the White House. And of course, it stands to reason that they want Donald Trump reelected because he has been a gift to Russia. He has essentially ceded uh, the Middle East to Russian interests. He has accomplished more in the undermining of NATO than Russia has in the last 20 years. Uh, and he continues to effectively deny that they have um, an ongoing political operation here in the United States that by and large is intended to support Donald Trump and his allies. Murphy, a Democrat, represents Connecticut. And in local news, some New Yorkers are getting stressed out ahead of March 1 when a plastic bag ban goes into effect. While past polling has shown New Yorkers overwhelmingly support banning single-use bags, some city lawmakers, including Councilman Idanis Rodriguez and Mark Jonah, have called on Governor Andrew Cuomo to hit pause on enforcing the rule, the Daily News reported. Jonah said at a rally at City Hall that 13,000 bodegas in the city are not prepared for the regulation. Meanwhile, Rodriguez said low-income New Yorkers don't have the resources to buy recycled bags to replace the single-use throwaways. So this is about social justice. 
This is about the two New York City that we have. This is about the New York City where 35% of New York live in poverty. Where do they live? They live in area in the underserved communities where we have the deli, where we have the bodegas, where we have those families that they don't have the resources to buy recycled bags. Rodriguez also says he wants the city to help business owners prepare for the shift away from plastic. WBAI is supported entirely by listeners like you. Go to give2wbai.org to support free speech community radio. Give2, that's the number 2, wbai.org. For WBAI New York, I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. Now, back to City Watch with your host, Jeff Simmons. Thanks, Celeste, for that report. I'm extremely happy that since you moved to Boston, you're still monitoring the news and serving as our correspondent. You have been a wonderful addition. I miss you as a co-host. No reflection on you, David. She was co-host on Thursdays, uh, and I'm really glad that you're still part of the WBAI family. I again want to apologize to our listeners who may be trying to get through because apparently we have tech issues with our phone system, which is why we couldn't even get our guests on the line, because I refuse to hold a phone up to the microphone because it's just... such horrible quality. But that brings me to the fact that we need a better phone system. And if you become a BAI buddy and give a sustaining contribution, that could help us with this because this is this should not happen. And, and I really feel horrible that it has happened tonight because this is an important issue. And while David was even reading the ad that was in the New York Post today, and if you've been following some of the news coverage, uh, what Celeste just talked about, the press conference uh, where some city officials are raising concerns about the plastic bag. Ban. If you're if you're you haven't been aware of this, it's going to impact your life. It's going to impact your livelihood. And yeah, some businesses may find ways to work around it. But I want to just bring it back to one more thing before uh, uh, David and I go to to another topic. Um, I said it would be wonderful for you to become a BAI buddy because those contributions are going to help us to, in this case, get a better phone system. <laughs> to uh, the number to call and pledge five one six six two zero three six zero two. That's five one six six two zero three six zero two. And you could also go online uh, at give to wbai dot org. That's at give to wbai dot org. There's also an old school way. And and actually, I want to thank her uh, publicly because she contacted me today that she's sending in a contribution to BAI. One of my recent guests, former uh, New York City public advocate Betsy Gottbaum, is going the old school way. She's mailing in a check. And uh, if you wish to do it that way, if you still don't, if you don't do online banking, but you have your checkbook out, you could just uh, make a contribution in the name of this show, City Watch, and send the check to uh, uh, WB to Pacifica WBAI at 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, New York 11217. I want to thank you again for tuning in to WBAI. This is City Watch. We are also streaming live at wbai.org. And I'm joined in studio by my new co-host. This is, again, Baptism by Fire, uh, David Brand of the Queen's Daily Eagle. Uh, You've been with Eagle for how long now? Uh, Since the beginning, since June 25th, 2018. So going almost two years now. Almost two years. And uh, obviously, I mean, the bread and butter of what you do, lots of political coverage, lots of coverage of uh, of real estate developments. You mentioned Amazon, for instance. Yes. Uh, you know, looking at the 2021 landscape, which is going, you're going to have to staff up, by the way, if you want to cover every race. There's 10 people running for every race already. Yes. It's, uh, it's exhausting. It's, ex- I mean, the stories, uh, a friend of mine at the Wall Street Journal, Katie Honan, had first had, and if you had it before, I apologize, <laughs> but had a story noting that there were, uh, it's expected there will be 500 candidates, uh, um, for all of the all of the races, because they're citywide, they're city council races as well. Yeah. Um, what are you hearing in Queens? Are you hearing that you know you're seeing a lot of candidates starting to float their uh, their names already and position themselves as the, as the most progressive candidate? Yeah, definitely. So I think this is uh, around the time where people start uh, filing with the board of elections for uh, a race about that's a little less than a year and a half away now. Um, and I've noticed people in particular have been filing for the uh, spots currently occupied by two people running for 
borough president. That's Costa Constantinidis in Western Queens and Donovan Richards in Southeast Queens. So people are, you know, trying to get out ahead of things early. And they are, like you said, positioning themselves as the most progressive, especially Western Queens, which is the uh, the Democratic Socialist hotbed and maybe the the epicenter of the Democratic Socialist movement in the United States. And so uh, a lot of people are gunning for the DSA endorsement. A lot of people gunning for the endorsement of some of the most prominent uh, progressives, AOC, and then to maybe a lesser extent, Tiffany Caban, Jessica Ramos uh, in Jackson Heights and Corona. So it, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I think it's an exciting time. I think you, you're right. We're going to need to staff up, but maybe we'll just have them here in studio and that'll save me, you know, c- cut out the middleman. I don't have to do the interview and then write it up. We can just do the interview and air that. And, and next week we do, uh, we can't, we're not going to talk about it now because we're going to make sure all this stuff happens. We are expected to have someone in studio and another guest, um, on, hopefully on the phone. We may have to offer in the studio, which will be interesting if they're yeah, running see. against each other. We'll see how that goes. It may turn out to be a debate. Uh, we're not uh, that would expecting be, that, but that would be yeah, great. That would be amazing. Could be. So um, development also. You know, it was interesting. You and I recently attended the Queen's Chamber of Commerce's uh, uh, Borough President Candidate Forum. And one thing that stuck out to me, and I saw this again, uh, a quote that was pulled from you or me or someone who must have tweeted this, uh, was that uh, Donovan Richards, considered one of the front runners in this race, uh, has no issue accepting real estate money. And then he, oh, that's it. He just got the uh, Rebney endorsement yep. Yep. Uh, this week. But most of the other candidates in that race have said they're not taking any money from real estate. Correct? Right, including people who have taken a lot of money from real estate and in the past and uh, made no bones about that. So uh, it it does show uh, the shifting winds, especially in in, uh, in Queens. So people are swearing off. We got Costa Constantinidis, Elizabeth Crowley swearing off uh, developer funds uh, after Jimmy Van Bramer, a former candidate for borough president uh, who dropped out of the race a few weeks ago. He had sworn off uh, uh, developer money after taking a lot of developer money. <laughs> And uh, did he, you know, for those who were familiar with Jimmy, I'm trying to look up the story right now, but it was, was it in your paper that Jimmy just did his first person piece? Yeah, he wrote an op-ed for us about why he decided to exit the race for borough president. And he talked a lot about uh, wanting to spend more time with his mother and his priorities changing. Uh, his mother is in her 80s and just reflecting on how much time he spends right now in politics uh, you know, he's not leaving office, so he's still going to be spending a lot of time uh, in his role as a councilman, which he will have until 2021 ends. So. I've always been fascinated by the next careers that a lot of these elected officials have when they're yeah. term limited yeah. out. You know, uh, I worked for one uh, gentleman for eight years uh um, who I know a lot of media wanted to talk to in the last week, and he just was not going to do any of these interviews. He did New York one, uh, Bill Thompson, the yeah, city yeah. controller. Of course, uh, for those listeners, uh, Thompson was the last one to debate Bloomberg back in '09. I was standing backstage during that one, and uh, you know, and I wondered, you know, after he lost against Bloomberg, less than five points, my bitter, uh, less than five <laughs> points. And how much? Uh, <laughs> how much money did he spend compared to Bloomberg? Yeah, it was over a hundred. A million for Bloomberg. I, I, I'm totally off base here. I think we were 10, 11 million, probably a little more. But I mean, as expensive, was expensive five more. points for Bloomberg there. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, so he went back to Wall Street and, uh, he, Cuomo has appointed him, uh, the head of the CUNY board. But I think of other electeds like Rafael Espinal. Hmm. Uh, and I know we're going to be focusing on that race in a few weeks as well to have, uh, some of those candidates who's seeking his seat in. And, you know, he already jumped out. Yeah, he left to take over as the head of the freelancers Mm -hmm. union, and he still had two more years left in his term. Interesting, he was also running for Brooklyn Borough President, and he left that race. Right before. Yeah, so so it's interesting. I wonder how long this was in the works. Well, and for our listeners who, I'm sorry you can't call in and weigh on this, and we will have to have a topic on, uh, do something on the Brooklyn Borough President's uh, race. The rumor being now that she's somehow ramping up by having a new podcast that a first lady (laughs) of the city of New York, Charlene McRae, might be considering a run for Brooklyn Borough president. Yeah, and there's the rumor that de Blasio would cross-endorse Eric Adams for mayor. 
if so de, de Blasio would endorse Eric Adams for mayor if Adams endorsed McRae for borough president. I wonder, do you want the de Blasio endorsement if you're running for mayor? I don't know uh, who who he'd be winning over, I guess. Yeah, look, how he, look how he helped Bernie Sanders in Nevada. <laughs> have some humility, we, Pete. We have not even gotten to Nevada yet. But uh, did you – by the way, I haven't even talked with you about this. Did you get a chance to watch the presidential debate this past week? Yes, okay. I did. What were your what, – what was going through your mind as you were watching this? Because I had strong opinions on this one, which I don't mind saying in a few moments. That just sh- a shredding Bloomberg. It's pretty uh, amazing to watch them all go after him, especially Warren. Uh, is he, will he release people from the NDAs? I think that, that story can't die because if he's serious about uh, women's rights and uh, correcting some of his past mistakes, he needs to release those – Many, many people from those NDAs. And she swayed him to do that on Friday uh, with three NDAs, if I'm correct. I think so. he, he yeah. And yet that still did not advance her significantly in Nevada. I mean, yeah. he, Bloomberg was not uh, on the ballot there. But she, what was she, fifth, fourth? I know she was not top three because that was Sanders, Biden, Buttigieg, if I'm correct. Yeah, right? I think so. So uh, obviously coming up uh, next, South Carolina, and then we have Super Tuesday. So we'll have a lot to talk about next Sunday with our guests, I'm sure. And um, and then as we get closer to the New York primary, I think that you know we should have some guests in here, just some analysts on this and what they're expecting, because that's going to be amazing to see. Maybe we'll get Bernie in here. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I, I know our listeners would love that. And we, uh, we will continue to reach out. One thing you all should know is that uh, Celeste, who's very aggressive at this, too, was wonderful about like reaching out to a number of the presidential candidates. I tried as well. Uh, we had Eric Swalwell oh, nice. on. Uh, he dropped out, but we had him on. Very gracious. Uh, we were starting to make inroads with others. I did hear back from Buttigieg's campaign, and hopefully – uh, we got an empty seat in between us right hopefully now. Hopefully we can – by the way, Mayor did Pete. you know Bloomberg does have a campaign office right down the road here? Oh, is it right over here? Uh, yeah, it's a few blocks away. We're in downtown Brooklyn. Uh, so anyway – He he has a, he has one in Bayside, Queens that he recently opened and Mr. Met was on hand for the uh, <laughs> for this cer- ceremony. So I don't know. Maybe you know if he doesn't win the Democratic nomination, maybe he will win the Mets ownership sweep sta- sweepstakes and convince uh, – Convince the Wilpons to sell the team, which uh, a deal just fell fell through. uh, Steve Cohen, a hedge fund billionaire, was willing to pay $2.7 billion for 80% of the team. And Jeff Wilpon, the the son of Fred Wilpon, who's the chief operating officer of the team, wouldn't accept nearly $3 billion because he would have had to give up his duty running the team into the ground uh, over the course of the next five years. So, you know, maybe Bloomberg can uh, put put his money uh, toward the Mets, and I think he would gender a lot of goodwill with a lot a lot more people. Yeah, I know that the Mets and the Yankees were not as fond of, uh, well, me a little, but I'm not. It wasn't about me, but about my administration. Because when we were in the controller's office, we have to do audits. That's one of the responsibilities of the controller's office. And there were rental credits that were not being paid. And I know the, uh, I think it was the Wilpons were not happy, but I know the Yankees were completely uh, upset about how we were claiming they owed the money, uh, owed the city a significant amount of money. So I want to go to actually something that you and I had talked about early on. and And I think it was when we were having the a uh, few of the Queensboro president candidates on, and you wanted to talk about homelessness. Why is homelessness in New York City an issue that you care about so much? Uh, it goes back to my earlier career in, in social work. And so my first jobs in social service here in New York was working with people who were formerly formerly homeless, people who used to be homeless, living in supportive housing, which is permanent, uh, permanent housing, independent housing. People sign year or two-year leases. They pay a portion of their income toward rent. And it was such an important uh, thing for s- preventing homelessness for people that I worked with, especially people with mental illness. And there is such a dearth of supportive housing uh, combined with a, you know such a huge lack of affordable housing overall. Uh, I've been working on a series for City Limits every couple weeks, a new installment on family homelessness. And it's really, when you think about the more than 100,000 families experiencing homelessness in New York City, experiencing homelessness in New York City, it's unbelievable. And 
wonder what the kind of long-term generational impact of that would be to have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of children growing up without a, uh, without a, you know, steady place to stay. And so I, to me, it's the biggest crisis, the biggest thing affecting New York City and affecting New York State. So uh, we're going to take a break for a moment and just uh, bring you back the lovely, velvety voice of Celeste Katz-Marston. In just a moment. <laughs> Velvety. New York isn't like any other place, and WBAI isn't like any other radio station. For more than 60 years, WBAI has been your go-to for independent, non-commercial, free speech programming. Join the WBAI family as a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite show today. It's easy. Just go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. Or text WBAI to 41444. Or call 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602. When you become a BAI buddy, you show your support for great programs on politics, news, the arts, music, and culture. Supporting WBAI means supporting programming that lets you hear from your elected officials with hosts who hold them accountable. Go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 now. Don't wait. You know these times are too important. Please give as generously as you can. It's really easy to make a recurring monthly donation. It only takes a minute. Just go to WBAI.org, click ways to donate, and say you want to be a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite program. WBAI has spoken up for New Yorkers for more than 60 years. Now, it's time to speak up for WBAI. Go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org, or text WBAI to 41444. Give to WBAI today. Be heard. All right, and we are back. Once again, this is David Brand, the new co-host of City Watch. Uh, it's trial by fire today as the phone lines are down and I, I i think jeff is hazing me i think that this was i think this was pre-planned there never were guest book this was something that you know see see how i can do on my on my feet and we had been talking about the nevada caucuses and the results of those earlier and just got a fact check it seems that elizabeth warren actually finished fifth in nevada and it's been very surprising i think over the past few months to see her decline especially after a really strong debate performance the other night and jeff you Said you had some pretty strong and, reactions and to that. And she still draws really big crowds. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, she, Bernie draws amazingly big crowds. I mean, she, I just saw something a little while ago uh, from one of her recent events. I mean, it is packed. People, also, she's very, uh, you know, when she did the town hall on CNN right after, I think it was the day after the debate or two days after the debate, she's very engaging with the people who approach her. Yeah. Um, but what, was amazing to me. You knew coming out of the gate who, as soon as people got to speak, that they were going to all pile on Bloomberg. Yeah. And that happened. But then it got to a certain point. And that's what was so interesting. It got to a point where then there was not like a good sizable time where they were not piling on Bloomberg, that yeah. he wasn't even speaking for some time. Yeah. Uh, he was staring straight ahead most of this time where some of the other candidates, especially when you watched uh, Klobuchar and uh, Buttigieg at one point kind of face yeah, off. Yeah. But what was disappointing to me was how all the sniping that was taking place was distracting from what – and Amy Klobuchar expressed this the day afterwards – what should have been the focus, which is we are all better than Trump and here's why we're better than Trump and – it, you know, and I was astounded that they missed so many opportunities to, you know, to talk about why their vision or their policies were better than Trump because they were so busy attacking each other. That's my own opinion. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I think right after the debate, I think I watched on NBC and they did the immediate like uh, reaction. And it was was the real winner of the debate, Donald Trump. And it, it's a it's still a debate. You know, people 
extremely competitive, extremely egotistical people are competing, and there are some significant policy differences be- among these many candidates. So I get that they're going to go in on each other and they're going to go hard, and I think that's probably okay if, if, if at the end of the day they're going to come together and support the candidate who wins the primary, even if it is someone like Bernie Sanders or Mike Bloomberg. And I wonder what you think what you think of people who say or people who are kind of on the fence of if they would support uh, the candidate. Would they support Bernie if they are Bloomberg supporters right now or would Bernie supporters support Bloomberg? I well, you know, you're kind of leading me into something I, I said to you before the show, which is something that happened yesterday with me, which was astounding to me because even if I'm disappointed and may not like whoever the Republican and Democratic candidates are on the final ballot, I'm still going to go out and vote. And I had someone in my life yesterday legitimately say, if Bernie Sanders winds up being the candidate, she is not going to vote. But she's a a tried and true Democrat. Yeah. And I wasn't going to argue, but I'm like, why? You know, and I yeah. tried to find out and she just she doesn't believe in him. She and, and I was not going to get into a, an argument mm-hmm. with her, but it was really astounding to hear that. And I've heard others say similar things about certain candidates. It's not just about Bernie, that mm-hmm. if it's this person. Yeah. And so I even posed to her, well, what if his running mate was and I knew this would resonate with her because of who she liked. What if her running mate, his running mate was Kamala Harris or was Stacey mm. Abrams? Mm. Uh, and she's like, I still don't know if I could do that. And I'm like, but you favor them and they yeah. would, you know, that yeah. would elevate them for the future as well. You don't know. But it, I'm I just know I have ever since. You know, I gained the right to vote. I've probably missed one or two elections in my mm-hmm. life. I'm not going to say I did it every single time. Uh, and there was one moment, not going to say it, but I know I voted for a Republican at one point, not in this last presidential election. <laughs> but, um, you know, and in the race, it was because I knew that this Republican I felt was better than the Democrat and already had done a, a number of positive things in the area where mm. I had lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not even saying if that's like a mayor's race or, yeah. or a city council race, but it was just something where I really look closely at the two candidates. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and for what, what just troubled me in this debate is I do feel that Trump gained a lot simply because I came out of thinking, okay, they all sniped, they all argued, yeah. and they attacked Bloomberg. But what did I learn that was different mm. about where they're going to advance this country compared yeah. to some of the earlier debates? And I was actually glad it was fewer candidates on stage this time because I yeah. thought I'd, I'd understand more about where they stood on things. Yeah. Uh, you know, just think about what you said about uh, voting for the Republican over the Democrat, kind of in a unique perspective, position as former reporter, former uh, city agency worker and, and, and PR professional, you get to know who the real scumbags are. And so, <laughs> no, that's not, okay. It's not one of, that's the, not one of the words we can't <laughs> folks. There's a list of the, remember the George Carlin words you can't say on the radio. There's a list just to remind people, even though number two, one guest said recently, everyone said it was okay. <laughs> number two on that list. But I think yeah. this is okay. Scumbag, <laughs> okay. dirtbag. So okay. you get to find out who the, uh, <laughs> You get you get to learn the actual people. I want to thank you for having a so, short-lived run yeah. on WBAI. <laughs> uh, but you know, when when people are not going to, if 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 you're a Democrat or you're a progressive and uh, you you want to advocate for you know more parties or some kind of coalition system like they have in uh, in England, that's not the system we have. So if you're not going to vote Democrat, you're basically okay with Trump putting uh, children in cages. And separating families at the border, and sending uh, like military grade uh, armed personnel into the streets of New York City to try to re- remove undocumented immigrants, uh, and holding New York State hostage uh, because of their sanctu- sanctuary city policies, and that's affecting congestion pricing, that's affecting the uh, global reentry program, and so it's kind of hard to make that argument at this time. And so you know, there's this theory too among uh, especially very progressive people like the accelerationist theory where, okay, we have Trump now. Uh, it's Things are going to get so bad that we're going to have to build a new system or build new coalitions. And that's an attractive theory, except when you think about who are all the people getting left behind or who are all the people who are getting screwed by 
by having a president who uh, is a xenophobe, is a racist, is uh, biased against low-income people. And so you have to think about that reality. And it's it's low-income people of color. Uh, it's people in cities. It's people who can't afford their health insurance. Uh, so that's 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 kind of always my argument against that theory. I think if you're if you're serious that you don't like Trump, then you better get to the polls, regardless of who the candidate is. So we've got just a few minutes left. I want to thank all our listeners for probably valiantly trying to call in and apologize again for our our phone lines uh, being down and also our guests. And I am inviting our guests to come back on. I will try to see if they're available this Thursday for Driving Forces because this issue that we wanted to focus on today with the plastic bag ban um, is important uh, to it's important to environmentalists, but it's also important to business who some who may not agree, hmm. uh, like uh, Gristides and D'Agostinos <laughs> with their full page ad and their apology to customers in the uh, New York Post today, encouraging people to call the state uh, Senate Majority Leader and the Assembly Speaker to weigh in on this. Uh, but um, we want to inform you and educate you and also hear your opinions. And so I apologize again for uh, the phone lines being out today. But I do also want to let you know that I do know because I have seen them here sitting on the other outside of our, our sound booth uh, that there are people still taking pledges if you would like to become a BAI buddy. But if you even have an issue getting through that number, easiest way to do that, go online. Go to give to wbai.org. Again, that's give to the number two wbai.org. You can also pledge at 516-620-3602. It would be incredible if you could become a BAI buddy in the name of this show. Remember, as David said at the outset of the show, we're non-corporate, we're non-commercial. You're not hearing all those political ads that you're hearing on every other station. Instead, you're hearing political discussions on shows like this and Driving Forces and Max and Murphy, who uh, on Wednesday are going to be having a live uh, debate among the representatives for a number of the presidential candidates down here in the Commons Cafe at 388 Atlantic Avenue. And cool. it will be great to just keep checking our website at WBAI.org. Um, I'm going to let David close the show today. I want to thank you so much. I know I said stepped on a little of what you were going to do, but I want to thank you so much for joining me as a co-host. Uh, Celeste is extremely happy as well, <laughs> even if she can't call in right now and congratulate you. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. And Celeste, thank you. This is really a cool opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think you got to learn a lot about me today talking without uh, without guests and without callers. So uh, you got to uh, find out a bit about my perspective on things and uh, my past career. So that's a cool opportunity. If you were thinking of calling and trying to call, maybe you could sound off in the comments on uh, on our Facebook page, City Watch WBAI, or on Facebook, uh, or I'm sorry, or on Twitter, uh, or just save that up, write it down, put an alert in your phone, call in next week and be like, you know, I didn't like your take on the Gristides uh, New York Post ad. But I want to thank everyone at WBAI for this first show. Cool. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, visit us at WBAI.org. Go to programs and then archives. The show will be up in about 10 minutes. Um, thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned for the golden age of radio with Max Schmidt.